We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How is everybody doing? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres. Excited to have you guys along for another awesome episode of the pod today. Um, Doing a little bit different. We have an Oregon football slash recruiting mailbag here on the channel. We're coming to you live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres. And then we are also coming to you live on Twitter as well at M Torres Sports. Important to like, comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. Um, but it's going to be a, a fun episode. Let me know if you're watching on the replay what you think about Oregon football recruiting in the 2024 class and what questions you might have about Oregon football recruiting. Love interacting with you guys in the comments and want to continue to hear your feedback. So in today's episode, like I mentioned, we're going to be doing a special mailbag edition. Haven't done one of these in uh, quite a while, so I'm excited to Excited to hop in and, and uh, just kind of tackle these questions and see what you guys are thinking. So just before we get into it, you know, I did put out a call on Twitter asking for questions. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit those questions first because those people responded. Um, so if you want to get a question on a future mailbag episode, make sure you follow me on Twitter and you can get your questions in there. And then depending on how timing works, I will see if I can go ahead and uh, hop into the live chat and get some of uh, your guys' comments and questions answered and addressed. We got a couple of people here already. We got some regulars. We got uh, Exploring with Ben and Sam. What's going on? We have Andrew here. Andrew Sand. so excited to see all the visits coming up. Rayola, War Daddy, and a double visit from Baker. So much talent. Not only that, but man, the Ducks are in the top group for a lot of O linemen. Yeah, offensive line recruiting is going to be a priority in this class. First class for Alik Terry, the new offensive line coach under Dan Lanning over in Eugene at Oregon. So it's going to be very, very important to uh, see how everything goes. Um, and for Alik Terry to kind of get things off to a good start here in the 2024 class. We got a uh, work into the bone here saying, yo, yo, Sco Ducks. So we got some folks checking in. Uh, sounds like people are excited and hopefully everyone's having a good week and looking forward to the weekend. Um, I know this is an Oregon podcast, but if you guys have been listening to me for a while, watching me for a while, you know that I went to Gonzaga. And uh, how about that win over UCLA last night? Julian Strother 
hometown hero, Vegas native, hitting that game-winning three-pointer with the time running down. So got to give a shout-out to my Zags. Super excited for for them. On to the Elite Eight. All right, so you guys don't want to hear the hoops talk from me. You guys came for Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting, so we're going to hop into that. The first question in today's mailbag episode comes from Joe Duck on Twitter asking, we have a lot more early commits in this class. How confident are we feeling their commitments are locked in with some other take with some taking other visits and rising in the rankings? So Oregon's class right now, top 10 class in the 2024 recruiting rankings. Um, and they only have five commits. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like that many, but I feel like having a class that's that highly ranked with only five commits speaks to the quality uh, and the caliber of each commitment that the Ducks have been able to land so far in the 2024 class, just to get people caught up to speed. If you don't know much about Oregon's recruiting class in 2024, currently at five verbal commitments, like I mentioned, with uh, wide receiver Tysier Denmark out of Philadelphia, serving as the main headliner of the bunch, Jordan Anderson out of Newport Harbor. He's a wide receiver out here in my neck of the woods in Southern California. He's committed to Oregon. Uh, and then you also have Fox Crater, the Washington offensive lineman who's seen his stock skyrocket on the recruiting trail. AJ Pugliano, the in-state tight end and edge rusher Jackson Jones out of Yuma, Arizona. So more or less, how are we feeling that these guys are locked in? I can tell you from off of the, you know, off the rip that from my conversations with Jackson Jones, he told me that he's locked into Oregon. He was in Eugene just a couple of weeks ago for a visit and it was his first trip as a committed prospect for Dan Landing in the 2024 recruiting class. So that was a big visit. You know how kind of things went with him. He was committed to Washington for a while, and then he decommitted from Washington, took that visit to Oregon, and, and things were pretty much wrapped up. So Jackson Jones is probably the guy I'm most confident in right now because he told me that he was locked in. Um, but, you know, no, nothing's said and done until you get that signature on the dotted line on the uh, national letter of intent. And then you also have AJ Pugliano, who I mentioned earlier, he's an in-state tight end. I feel a little bit more confident about him being pretty locked in with his commitment. Uh, He was the first 2024 recruit to commit to Oregon. Um, So I think that you kind of have more chance of holding a long-term commitment from a guy who's in-state out there in, in, in North Medford. So I feel good about those guys, but these other guys that are towards the top of the class, I think could definitely emerge as uh, guys are going to have to battle for that. Um, I wouldn't say aren't locked in necessarily, but they're, they're still keeping their options open, right? That's kind of what a lot of recruits do now, especially if you're getting attention from a lot of different schools. So starting off with Fox Crater from Evergreen High School in Vancouver, Washington, Fox Crater is a top offensive line commit in the 2024 class. Let me actually go ahead and see if I can get some highlights up here. Just take this podcast to a new level. Um, I always feel like it helps to always help, helps to have highlights on of, you know, the player that I'm talking about. So let me, let me just go ahead and get that up here. If you guys can just give me a second, going to move some, some windows around here so I can make sure to get that video up for you guys. All right, here we go. Share screen, get these highlights up. All right, here's Fox Crater, the uh, offensive tackle commit for Oregon. So if you guys know about Fox Crater, he's been blowing up on the recruiting trail this spring. Lots of big offers coming in from Georgia, Texas A&M, Auburn, 
Um, those are some of the big schools that have entered the recruitment for Crater. But the interesting thing with him is that a lot of people thought that him taking other visits was because Adrian Clem left to take the uh, job with the Patriots. But he said, he told me when I talked to him that it wasn't, that wasn't the reason that he was taking other trips. He's just kind of doing his homework, doing his due diligence, making sure that Oregon's the the place for him. Um, but he was also in town last weekend. So he got to have some face-to-face time, uh, one-on-one time with Alik Terry. So important to, to meet your future position coach. And I know that Oregon's doing a good job of keeping those relationships going. He already has really strong commitments with, sorry, strong relationships with other members of the Oregon staff. That's another thing you have to keep in mind here when coaches move uh, is that Dan Lanning and the rest of the staff, they're not just doing, okay, hey, you have this, this is like, you know, Tosh, you're, you're going to be the only person that recruits this guy. It's always a team effort so that when you have movement on your staff, it's not just like you're left standing there like, well, what do we do now? No, you have relationships with multiple guys. So I think Fox Crater, you know, he, he looks solid right now um, in terms of just where things are at. He told me he's not going to throw away months and months of, you know, recruiting and relationship building just because some new schools are offering and new schools are getting visits from him. But, um, you know, kind of like I said, with some of these top tier guys in Oregon's 2024 class, you've got to stay on them. you got to stay recruiting them, making them feel like a priority, keeping those relationships really strong. So, I think the the visits that Fox Crater is taking are definitely going to be really important ones for him and his recruitment. But fortunately for the Ducks, they do have geography on their side here. So it's a really easy trip to get from Vancouver, Washington to Eugene so they can get him back on campus with relative ease. So there's a long way to go between now and signing day in December. Um, but I'm feeling good about where Oregon is with Fox Crater right now, even given the new visits that he's going to be taking. Uh, especially those to the SEC. I know those are the ones that kind of tend to grab a lot of people's attention. All right, let's switch up the highlights here as we talk about our next guy. We're going to be talking about Jordan Anderson. Um, all right, let's see here. Sometimes highlights are so hard to find. I don't know why it's always like that. <laughs> I don't know why it has to be like that. But, um, but yeah, Jordan Anderson is a very, very, very talented wide receiver in the 2024 class out of Southern California, Newport Harbor. Um, you know, he is someone who's been committed to Oregon since December. He routinely shows up and competes against the best talent in the country, uh, winning the wide receiver MVP award at the Rivals LA camp not too long ago. Uh, but he's he's still you know hearing from some schools. I know he wants to get out to the SEC. I think Colorado is another school that's stayed in the mix. I know that uh, USC is going to be a school that stays in the mix, and I think that USC would probably be you know probably one of the top contenders just because he's from Southern California. He's from the LA area, transferring from Long Beach, Millican to Newport Harbor, hometown of Inglewood, California. So. Anytime you have top offensive guys in the Southern California area, you know USC is going to stay in the picture. They're going to do everything they can to stay in the mix. Um, so I think that USC is a school to watch. Colorado is a school to watch. But fortunately, Anderson has talked also about wanting to get back out to Oregon. I know he has a really strong relationship with Junior Adams. So um, I wouldn't say that it's you know like a shaky situation at all. Um, I think I feel good about where Oregon's at with Jordan Anderson in terms of you know getting out to see him on the road. I'm sure they'll stop by during the spring evaluation period in May, get him on campus for a spring practice in April just to make sure things are solid. So he's a guy who's going to continue to take more visits, but uh, I think you can expect that with a lot of recruits. 
because they want to make sure that they're making the decision that is best for them. But Jordan Anderson is the, is the best wide receiver. Um, a lot of people want to say on the West Coast, in California, in Los Angeles. But you also have Aaron Butler out of Calabasas, who is an elite, elite wide receiver, has some of the craziest tape I've ever seen, has Oregon in his top four or top five, I want to say. And it looks like he's going to be taking some visits um, before too long. Um, I know that Alabama and Georgia are also heavily involved in that recruitment, but feeling good about where things are at with Jordan Anderson right now. You know, he's a guy that I get to see a pretty good amount out here uh, in, in uh, Southern California. So really top tier guy that's going to continue to get a lot of attention. We could even see some more big offers come. You never know. But I think that, um, you know, it's not necessarily a commit that I think that Oregon fans should worry about. Have one more guy we're going to talk about in the 2024 class. And then we will continue on with our next question in the mailbag episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. So the next guy we're talking about is Tysir Denmark out of Roman Catholic High School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He committed to Oregon around the Thanksgiving time um, last year. So he was a guy that I really didn't know about too much. Um, you know, I think he'd been on Oregon's radar for a while, but the, the Northeast isn't an area that Oregon has recruited super heavily in the past, but this guy is different. Tysir Denmark is one of the most polished wide receivers, polished route runners you're going to find, elite athleticism, elite uh, route runner, playmaker, and he was he is the face of the Roman Catholic offense, and he is the guy in the state of Pennsylvania. And what comes with that is you have schools like Penn State, Ohio State that are going to stay involved here. And that's why I think it was a bit of a surprise when he committed to Oregon. And I know that those schools, Penn State and Ohio State specifically, are going to want to stay involved in this recruitment, stay stay active. They're, they have geography on their side, so it's an easy trip if they want to try to get him out for a visit. Um, so, again, what I'm trying to drive home here with these guys, especially the guys in the top, top half of Oregon's class, is that they're going to have to work hard. This staff is to keep these guys committed, keep them in the fold, and uh, ultimately make sure that they hang on to their commitment throughout their senior season, throughout the summer, and uh, what's ahead. Because things are going to uh, ramp up for sure on the recruiting trail here in the spring, here in the summer. This is when the heavy lifting, lifting happens. So five commits might seem like a lot right now, but if Oregon does everything they want and they're supposed to, they should have this 2024 wrapped up, this 2024 class wrapped up for the most part by the end of the summer, by the time the season rolls around, you know, they usually have that Saturday night live camp near the end of July. And maybe you can get some commits coming out of that. So um, that's definitely a, a really important window to keep monitoring here for Oregon. But again, with Tyser Denmark, there's still going to be schools that stay involved, but I think I feel good about where Oregon stands right now uh, with, with his commitment. All right. Let's move it along to our next question here in the mailbag podcast. This question comes from Wink uh, asking with so much buzz around Dylan, assuming he's talking about Dylan Rayola, Moga, Luke Moga, and MVB, Michael Van Buren out of St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Where does Oregon stand with Elijah Brown out of modern day? Yeah, Elijah Brown is another really gifted quarterback um out of modern day here in the southern california area um he's he's different he's a very special quarterback a very cerebral guy i don't think that he will 
really blow you away with his athleticism, which is kind of funny to say, but he is still one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best players in Southern California, without a doubt. Now, the interesting thing with Elijah Brown is that Stanford is actually a school that I think we've heard some some buzz about, some buzz around his name. I think a lot of people, when they look at Elijah Brown's recruitment, being a guy from Southern California and, you know, with Lincoln Riley at USC, I I don't want to bring him up too much, but, you know, especially with quarterbacks, you have Lincoln Riley, you're going to be able to enter any quarterback recruitment that you want because the guy just develops quarterbacks, sends them to the league and usually sends them with a Heisman trophy, like we're seeing with Caleb Williams right now. So the interesting thing with Elijah Brown is, I'd be kind of curious to see where he falls in the priority list for USC because the Trojans look like the front runners for Dylan Rayola right now. Dylan Rayola is going to be taking a spring visit to Oregon for the spring game. And I think the plan is for him to compete in the elite 11 Eugene regional the next day after the Oregon spring game. So I think Oregon definitely still has a chance with Elijah Brown. I don't think it's a guy that you count out for Oregon Although, you know, the the board maybe did shift a little bit when Will Stein got hired because Kenny Dillingham, you know, there's not, it's not always going to be, okay, Kenny Dillingham was recruiting this guy. So now Will Stein wants to recruit this guy too. Um, I I think I mentioned the other day, uh, Will Hammond, the 2024 Texas Tech quarterback commit out of Texas uh, is a guy to keep an eye on as far as, you know, maybe some under the radar guys that Oregon is is considering here at the quarterback position in the 2024 recruiting class. So the, all those guys that you mentioned are definitely, are definitely guys that you want to keep an eye on, right? Dylan Rayola, Luke Moga out of Phoenix, Michael Van Buren out of Baltimore. I think Michael Van Buren is probably, I would say probably other than Dylan Rayola, I think he's Oregon's top quarterback target and probably one of the more realistic options even though he is a cross country guy out of the DMV area. And he's a guy that's been to Oregon a lot and been coming to Oregon for a long time. I think Penn state, Maryland, those are some schools that you also have to keep an eye on with Maryland, obviously being the in-state school for Michael Van Buren, but the, the DMV area is, is a talent hotbed. You know, we know that there's a lot of really good players that come out of there. Um, uh, Nicholas Harbor, I was having a brain fart. Nicholas Harbor came out of Washington, D.C., and they're going to keep pumping out guys in that area. So I think that Michael Van Buren is definitely a name that probably sits at or near the top of Oregon's quarterback hot board, quarterback big board, wish list, whatever you want to call it. Um, And you're going to keep taking your swings at Dylan Rayola, but it does kind of feel like he is USC's to lose, but you also have schools like uh, Ohio State, sorry, not Ohio State, Nebraska, Georgia also in the picture for Dylan Rayola. I think he just took a recent visit to Georgia and he's going to go back to Nebraska and he's starting to get his official visits uh, scheduled. So I think that Elijah Brown definitely shouldn't be getting lost in the mix here. um, Especially if USC does take Dylan Rayola or ultimately land him, then we got to see, you know, where Oregon goes. Cause the thing that you have to keep in mind here with this class is that it's not as top heavy. There's not a, Actually, I'd say it is top-heavy. Excuse me. It's, it is a top-heavy class at quarterback because it doesn't have as much depth as uh, the 2023 class does, right? You had Arch Manning, Malachi Nelson, uh, Dante Moore, you know, all of these elite guys at the quarterback position, Nico Iamaliava, you know, so many talented guys at the quarterback position, which means that 
quarterback is going to be a really even an even more important position. The Ducks got uh, Austin Novosad, flipping him from Baylor in the 2024 class. Uh, but another guy that I think might be worth keeping an eye on is Demond Williams out of Basha High School in Chandler, Arizona. He's a super athletic quarterback, really gifted passer that I like in this class. He's committed to Ole Miss right now, but we know how much Oregon's prioritizing the state of Arizona and how important that pipeline is, the Desert Ducks pipeline. So that's kind of the the my two cents on Elijah Brown out of modern day. I'm going to be at the Elite 11 uh, in Los Angeles on Sunday. And it looks like Elijah Brown is supposed to be there. So maybe I can steal a couple minutes of his time and uh, just kind of get in his ear and see what's happening in his recruitment and try to get you guys an update on that. So make sure to stay tuned. I'll be tweeting updates and whatnot at mTourist Sports. All right, let's get a, get a little bit of water here and then get into our next question. Next question comes from Unique Syntax. Question is, is offensive player recruiting going to take a hit or improve with Stein? I think this is an interesting question because there's a couple different ways that you can look at it. Will Stein's a pretty young coach. He is an up-and-comer. He's someone that is kind of viewed as a creative mind. But look at where he's coming from. UTSA, not the biggest school, but he's from Texas, and that's one of the three most talented states in the country, and that's going to help raise his floor, his recruiting floor, and ultimately help raise his ceiling, I think, as well. And then if you add in all of those connections and, and, and the strong body of work that he already has, if you add to that a strong first season with Oregon, I think Oregon's going to be looking like an even more appealing destination for some top offensive players. It already is at wide receiver. I think that quarterback is going to be a position that we have to continue monitoring and seeing what happens on the recruiting trail. Um, running backs are going to keep coming to Oregon as long as Carlos Lachlan. I mean, even if Carlos Lachlan weren't at Oregon, I think they'd be able to attract some pretty big names at running back. But we know what Carlos Lachlan says. He's an elite relationship builder. He's going after some massive names here in the 2024 class, uh, like like Nate Frazier, who I've talked a lot about out of modern day. Uh, we saw um, Dejon Riggs out of St. John's in Washington, D.C. He was on campus recently. But I think that you look at the the history with Oregon, the, the big-time offenses are still very much associated with Oregon, and, and that was the most recent – thing that recruits are looking at after the 2022 season is having that elite offense. They didn't really have that those elite offenses under Mario Cristobal, at least not well-rounded elite offenses. So there's already so much that is in your favor just being at Oregon. I think if Will Stein has a strong year, it's only going to help him because let's face it, I feel like I'm not saying that it's a guarantee that good players are going to want to come to Oregon, but I feel like he already has so much going for him just by being at Oregon. So I definitely don't think that the quality of offensive players coming to Oregon is going to take a hit at all. Um, I'd say it's probably going to stay at where it's been, or if anything, if nothing else, continue to improve, continue to ascend because Oregon has developed themselves into a legitimate recruiting power. Um, We've heard coaches say it so many times, you know, we can go into any living room in the country and people know what that O means. People know what that O stands for. 
and you know the the history that comes with it, the Nike brand that comes with it. So um, I like the question, but I, I mean, I, I definitely think that it's gonna at least stay the same or improve under Will Stein, the the offensive player recruiting that is uh, being asked about here. All right, next question that we have comes from SBJ. Question is. How much of last year's defensive struggles were due to players versus scheme? I was expecting a lot more given Lanning and what I perceived to be a talented group. What can we expect in terms of defensive dominance going into this next year? Yeah, this is a really interesting question because it's one that I think came up throughout the season while we were watching things unfold in real time from a week to week basis. And then we also see it going into spring ball, which we're in now, going into next season, because that was one of the biggest storylines of last season. One of the biggest takeaways for Oregon football last season is, man, what the heck happened with that defense? You know, I think a lot of Oregon fans found themselves asking, you know, we got Dan Lanning. He just won a national championship at Georgia. We got Tosh Lapoy. He's a big name in college football. He's an elite. Both of those guys are elite recruiters. Um, you know, we got Noah Sewell, we got Justin Flo, uh, you know, Gonzo comes over, DJ Johnson, full-time defense. And then you get to the end of the season and you're kind of just left asking yourself, that was the defense? That was the best that Oregon could do? And it's interesting because Oregon's run defense, for as bad as their passing defense was, Oregon's run defense was really, really good. So if we're looking at next year's defensive dominance, you get back almost every defensive lineman. You only lose Jordan Riley from last year. Casey Rogers is back. Popo Amavai is back. Um, Brandon Dorless is back. You got to mention him, obviously. Keon Ware Hudson's back. You bring in Jordan Birch, the 6'6", 275 South Carolina transfer on the edge. Mace Funa is back. Um, and I think that, it's not hard to see Oregon's run defense being elite, being one of those better defenses in the Pac-12 in the West Coast, maybe even nationally. But where the questions come in is that pass defense. You know, there were a lot of times when people, when quarterbacks were targeting someone not named Christian Gonzalez, there wasn't a, a whole lot that Oregon had to show for it. You know, there were safeties that were getting burned deep. Uh, that happened, you know, numerous times. So. I really feel like last year's defensive struggles were a blend of scheme and players. Let's, let's start with the scheme, right? You have to look at the defensive coordinators that Oregon has had over, you know, the past couple of years, you had Andy Avalos, uh, you had Tim DeRuiter, and then you had Tosh Lapoy. You need some consistency or you ideally want some consistency uh, in the defensive scheme, which is why I think that Oregon should be able to take things, uh, you know, up up a notch, especially in the pass defense next year, because you have you're not implementing a whole bunch of new changes. Sure, you have new guys coming in. You have Chris Hampton coming in to coach the safeties. Um, you have uh, Brian Michalowski um, working with the inside linebackers, and I think that just because you're adding those new guys doesn't mean that the scheme has to change a whole lot. You know, I, I'm, I would definitely think that Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy and the rest of that staff got together and they're saying, Hey, this is what worked last year. Let's keep doing it. This is what didn't work last year. 
this is what we need to change. And part of that is going to be the personnel. That's why they went out into the transfer portal and, you know, added guys like Kyrie Jackson. They added guys like Justin Jacobs, Jordan Birch, Evan Williams, Tysheem Johnson. They went out there because maybe they went after those guys because maybe to a degree, you know, that's a reality of any college football program. You know, not every guy that you have is someone that, you know, fits what you want to do that fits your vision for your team. Um, and that's, that's something that I think has definitely been downplayed with Dan Lanning having his first year under his belt at Oregon is, you know, that's just the reality you get hired and you got to work with what you have as a coach. You have to work with the players on your roster, but we've seen a major overhaul of this roster in the off season with, I believe it was 26 newcomers in spring football. So they're bringing in guys that are going to help. I think them do what they want defensively a little bit more. You saw them add a bunch of really talented corners in this class, right? You got Dalen Austin, Roderick Pleasant, Solomon Davis, Jonathan Gill, Cole Martin, who's already there. I think that it's a combination of Oregon's off defensive struggles being the scheme and, you know, needing to make some tweaks. I know a lot of Oregon fans get upset by seeing corners or defensive backs play very far off of wide receivers and tight ends. You know, you, a lot of people, a lot of fans would prefer getting up in their grill, playing physical. So that's something that I bet is going to need to be addressed and changed to a degree. And then kind of like I said, with the cornerback room, I really don't feel like that many people have, you know, locked down jobs, not because they aren't good players, but just because no one other than Christian Gonzalez is playing at such a, such a undeniable level where it's like, oh, you for sure have your spot locked down. Because that's what you have to do as a head coach, even as a position coach. I feel like I've I've heard coaches say maybe it was I don't know if it was Dion, but coaches are recruiting guys to take people's jobs. That's their whole, you know, that's a huge part of the recruiting process. Is you want to bring in guys that are going to push the people you already have on the roster and sometimes take your job. So I think that lack of scheme continuity, lack of a pass rush. You only had one reliable cornerback. Safety play was lacking. There was poor tackling. So there was a lot of things that went into this. But now I feel like you have, you know, Lanning and Lapoy getting their guys into the defense. I'm not saying that's the only factor here, but that's something that is going to probably help Oregon at least get more comfortable. You bring in Connor Soley too. He's an inside linebacker from from uh, Arizona State that I think can really help cover especially with Justin Jacobs along there as well. So I think as frustrating as it was at times to watch the Oregon's defense last year, it's hard to pin it on just the players or just the scheme because I really do feel like it was a combo of the two. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, let's see here. Well, we're, we're still rolling here. We just hit a half hour on the Ducks Dish podcast. Wanted to just take a second to welcome you into the show. If you guys are just joining us here on YouTube or Twitter, excited to have you along. Do me a favor and just hit the like and subscribe buttons for me. It's only a, it only takes a second out of your day and it is a tremendous help with what I'm doing covering the Oregon Ducks. Really greatly appreciate your support. Never want to ask for that too much. And, and I honestly hate that part of the show. Um, but you know, this, this is a, a free show. This is a free, uh, you know, YouTube channel. So, uh, if you guys can just take a second under your day to support me in those ways, I greatly appreciate it. All right. So moving on to our next question of the mailbag podcast, it comes from extraterrestrial question is why no more incoming inside linebackers? Yeah. Inside linebacker is a position that Oregon did not really attack super, super heavily in the 2023 class. And I think from a number standpoint, it is uh, it kind of came up short from kind of what I was expecting. Um, they did sign one true linebacker from the high school ranks. That's Jerry Mixon out of Sacred Heart Cathedral in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, he's super versatile. He's super versatile and athletic. I mean, he was playing linebacker. He was coming off the edge, putting his hand in the dirt if he needed to, playing running back, playing quarterback. This is a guy who did anything and everything that his team asked of him, and he was one of the best players in the WCAL, the West Catholic Athletic League, um, which is the league that I played in when I was in high school. Um, but he, I know that he's going to be enrolling and joining the Ducks for spring practice. He's the only true linebacker from the high school ranks, but you also bring in Justin Jacobs and Connor Soley. Um, but maybe the, the conversation should be a little bit more about the guys that Oregon does have returning, right? You have Keith Brown coming back from a year ago. He was playing some really good football towards the end of the season, uh, especially in the Holiday Bowl and that win over North Carolina. And then you have Jeffrey Bassa coming back. Um, he's another talented guy that I think is probably feeling really comfortable at that linebacker spot after playing his second full season there after being a converted safety. And then you also have some of the young guys that, uh, I think this coaching staff is really excited about. You have Harrison Taggart who comes out of the state of Utah. He's really been lauded for his athleticism and his speed, just the way that he can move. Maybe he's a little bit undersized. I think he was listed last year at like 6'1", 6'2", 210, 215, as was Devin Jackson, the other young linebacker in that inside linebacker room. But those are guys that the staff is really excited about that didn't really see the field a whole lot last year. Um, I think that the room was deeper last year, right, with Noah Sewell obviously being your main guy there. But even with that being the case, it was another position group that didn't hit the mark that Oregon needed to hit uh, for the 2022 season to be a successful one in the eyes of the defensive staff. So I think that this room is probably a group that is entering spring ball and entering the 2023 season with a, a chip on their shoulder. I think that there's probably some Oregon fans out there that are saying, oh, Noah Sewell's not there. Well, what are we going to do now? You know, and you know, credit Noah Sewell for a strong Oregon career, but he definitely regressed 
from 2022 to 2023, which I think was, was a shock to see for a lot of Oregon fans. So maybe you enter the 2023 season with a bit of a clean slate, just looking for a fresh start. Um, and it's good that you have some pieces that are there that have played some football for you. Jeffrey Bossa being the main one, Keith Brown, a guy who definitely saw his role expand in 2022 and then bringing in a guy with a lot of upside and a pretty strong history with Justin Jacobs. You know, he got injured last year, so he wasn't able to play as much as he was hoping to, but um, he should be a guy that's viewed as probably a plug and play guy, or at least uh, someone who's going to be in that rotation for Oregon at inside linebacker. So I totally agree with the question, you know, kind of implying that they didn't sign enough inside linebackers, but the talent's there. And kind of like I was saying earlier on in the show, you got to work with what you got. Maybe the Ducks try to add some more pieces when the transfer portal window opens again in May. But um, I don't think that that group is looking as unsure as it maybe looked earlier on this uh, offseason. I feel like it's a group that's definitely got some talent. And um, we're going to have to see what that group can do because they're going to play a big role in next season's success. All right, we got a couple more questions here. Uh, this next question comes from Jam in Core. Um, question is: Do you think conference uncertainty is significantly impacting recruits? Man, I just feel like we've been talking about this forever now, and I just want something to happen because I'll be honest: I see a lot of you know other other sites, other shows talking about conference realignment and. I don't know. I, I just can't get excited about it or that interested in it. So I just want to see some kind of finality, some kind of answer sooner rather than later regarding conference realignment and, and where Oregon's ultimately going to fall. But because there was a question asked, we definitely have to talk about it. And I want to reference a recent interview that I was able to do with a top recruiting target for Oregon, Aaron Butler out of Calabasas. I mentioned him a little bit earlier on. But he's got major SEC programs coming after him with Alabama and Georgia. And then Colorado is in the picture as well, uh, as is Oregon and as is Washington. And I think that this question, when you're looking at conference realignment, I think that recruits and fans are maybe looking at conference realignment a little bit differently. And to, to kind of just give my answer off the top here, and then I'll get into it. I don't think that conference uncertainty is significantly impacting recruits for Oregon because you saw what they were able to do in the 2023 class. Oregon's always going to be able to recruit. As long as you have a guy who knows what he's doing at the helm, like Dan Lanning, a coach that knows the importance of recruiting and has a good vision and a good staff like Lanning does, I think you're going to be just fine. As long as you have guys that are connected in those hotbeds, you know, across the country, you don't want a staff that's just super, super regional to one side of the country. We know that Oregon has to recruit nationally if they want to get to the point that they need to, you know, they want to be contending for national championships and to be contending to go back to the playoffs because Oregon, it's not going to be a big deal for Oregon because Oregon's already the most, Oregon is probably the most marketable school that isn't, you know, securely in the SEC or securely in the big 10 or securely in the big 12 like when you're looking at conference realignment and conference uncertainty right now, I think Oregon's in a good spot, even though they're not necessarily in a big viewing market, you know, in the Eugene and Portland areas. Um, but the the case in point is that people are going to watch Oregon. You know, people always watch Oregon every year. They're always one of the most viewed teams. Um, and 
when you have that Nike connection and you're still pushing the envelope with, with uniforms and now with the, the level of play on the field, you know, a 10 win season is really solid for Dan Lanning, but I know that he's not satisfied with that and that this staff has every intention of competing for a national title this year um, after losing, especially, especially after losing some really tough games to Washington and Oregon state down the stretch, you know, that left a bad taste in their mouth, but they also have momentum going into the season because they were able to get that holiday bowl win. Maybe not the greatest win uh, or the greatest bowl game, but that's still, that's still big. So I don't think that that conference uncertainty is really impacting Oregon because I asked Aaron Butler that question. I'm like, do you do, like, does this really matter to you? You know, kind of what's going on here with this conference realignment conference uncertainty stuff. And he basically said, you know, for just to keep it cut and dry, it wasn't that big of a deal. It didn't really matter to him. And I think recruits have echoed a similar sentiment because they know that Dan Lanning and the Ducks are going to do everything they can to put themselves in a good position and to play some of the best teams in the country. You saw them do that against Georgia last year. They got destroyed. But I think that it still shows that you're trying to continually test yourself and see where you measure up against the best teams in the sport because that's the standard that you're ultimately chasing. Dan Lanning was part of that that standard when he was at Georgia. So um, that's kind of what I think about um, about the the whole realignment deal uh, and conference uncertainty. I don't think it's having an, a significant impact, and I don't think it's negatively impacting Oregon. But in the grand scheme of things, I think we can all agree that it doesn't really serve Oregon to stay in the Pac-12 because it looks like it's kind of on life support right now. All right, this next question is a little bit of a loaded question, but I'm going to do the best I can with it. This one comes from 8McGee. Question is, who are some home run players that Oregon is recruiting that we aren't hearing about? And I think that there's definitely some big name guys that Oregon's going after, but maybe maybe Oregon isn't, you know, mentioned as much as they should be, or they're kind of counted out a little bit. But I have a couple of guys that I'm going to name here. So if you guys haven't heard about these players, you should definitely, you know, follow them on social media and just keep track of their recruitment. I think one guy that's a home run player that we maybe don't hear about too much is KJ Bolden. He's a really, really big time safety out of the state of Georgia. Um, he's a defensive back, five-star caliber guy, and he's one of the best in the country. He's a safety out of Buford, and he's the number four player in the country, and Oregon's going to get a shot at him. Uh, they're going to get a shot because he's going to take a, a visit to Oregon for the spring game, which is a, a big development for the Ducks, especially with Lanning being a guy that was coaching at Georgia. I think sometimes the, the Georgia ties can kind of get blown out of proportion, um, I certainly wouldn't say in terms of like, oh, this guy went to Georgia or he's from Georgia, like Oregon's going to get him. Like maybe that'll be the case soon. Um, but I don't feel like that's where it's at right now. But Oregon has, you know, everybody competing against them for KJ Bolden, but he's a big time player to watch. Speaking of Georgia, Peyton Woodyard is another guy that I think Oregon fans need to continue monitoring the big time safety out of St. John Bosco in Bellflower, California. He's committed to Georgia right now, but I know that Oregon's going to continue to recruit him, maybe try to get him out for a visit. <clears throat> I got to see what's going on there. Maybe I'll see him uh, at a camp or something, and maybe maybe he'll be taking a visit out to Oregon. But he's definitely a name worth watching because Oregon was really involved leading up to his commitment, but <clears throat> excuse me, but I don't think they had a ton of momentum in that recruitment. 
Another guy I want to revisit is modern day running back Nate Frazier. You guys got to know about Nate Frazier because I believe that he's the top target on Carlos Lachlan's board at running back for Oregon in 2024. I remember after he got offered by Oregon and I was talking to him throughout last season, um, you know, he, he was super, super interested in Oregon. And now every school is across the country is coming calling for this guy. Um, you know, we got Alabama, Georgia, um, you know, basically every school, all the big time schools have offered him and he's going to have his, his choice of the best schools in the country. I know he's trying to get back out to Oregon. I think he also mentioned Tennessee as a school, but every time Nate Frazier talks about Oregon, his face just lights up like crazy. I, I feel like I might be getting close to putting in a prediction for Oregon for Nate Frazier. I put in a prediction for Kamar Matuti the Campbell Hall linebacker in the 2024 class. Uh, I put that prediction in a couple of days ago. I want to say it was Wednesday uh, over on DucksDigest.com. So if you want to hear more about that pick and kind of my two cents on why I think Kamar Matuti is going to end up a duck, go ahead and check that one out. But Nate Frazier's a dude, man, and he has just seen his, his stock take off. But Oregon was one of those schools that was in the boat pretty early. So you still got some big time schools like SC in the picture as well. But I would say that Nate Frazier, um, I'd say that Oregon leads for Nate Frazier right now. If I had to, if I had to give you my two cents, a couple more names here, staying in the Southern California area, you know, obviously that's an area that Oregon's going to recruit heavily and that's right in my backyard. So definitely want to, you know, mention some of these guys, but Xavier Jordan out of Sierra Canyon, you know, we talked about Jordan Anderson being the top wide receiver in California. Xavier Jordan's a dude. Xavier Jordan is an absolute dude. Oregon offered him in January, strong connection with Junior Adams. They've stayed involved there. He's since transferred to Sierra Canyon from Cathedral. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he just runs through competition on the seven-on-seven -seven circuit, on the camp circuit. I think SC is, is heavily involved here. Um, I'm not sure when he's going to be committing yet, but Xavier Jordan, if you don't know who Xavier Jordan is, you've got to follow him because he's a big, big time target for Oregon at wide receiver. And, uh, he's a name I listed recently in our wide receiver hot board story, uh, looking at some of the top wide receiver targets for Oregon in the 2024 class. So go give that a read if you haven't already. Another guy who's kind of under the radar right now is Gatlin Bear out of, I hope I said that right. Gatlin Bear out of uh, Idaho. He's a top wide receiver, the the top recruit out of the state of I Idaho in the 2024 recruiting class. And this guy can run. Gatlin Bear out of Burley Senior in Burley, Idaho, 6'2", 180 pounds, you know, top 25 wide receiver nationally, top 130 player nationally. Uh, and he's got some offers to back it up. And, you know, I was talking to, you know, one of my, uh, I don't know if I'd say connections, but kind of uh, one of my followers that's also a coach, like a high school coach in the Duck community about Bear. And he was saying that this guy has such wheels that he is almost on the level of Roderick Pleasant in terms of just keeping up with his speed, not necessarily beating him in a one-on-one -on -one race, but this is a guy that has some serious burners. And you also have Michigan and Nebraska that are on him. But Oregon was able to sign Kenyon Sadiq out of Idaho last year. He was the state's top recruit. So I think Idaho flies under the radar as a state for football talent. But there's some familiarity there with Oregon, um, seeing that they did some work in Idaho last year. So that's another guy that you need to keep an eye on at wide receiver for the Ducks in the 2024 recruiting class. 
couple more names. You got Ryan Pelham, wide receiver, big time guy out of Long Beach Millican. And I think he's kind of a home run guy because he's a super highly rated wide receiver and the, the tape is strong for him. Um, and, and he has the same last name as Don Pelham, right? The longtime Oregon linebacker coach. So I think that family ties are going to help Oregon stay involved here. Um, it feels like he's, you know, kind of maybe looking closer at some of the blue blood schools or some of the the big, big time names. You know, you got USC involved. You have some some SEC programs involved. I think Michigan's involved, Ohio State. So I don't think that receipt that recruitment's coming to a close. But Ryan Pelham is another big name that you got to know that Oregon is looking into at wide receiver. Former teammates with Jordan Anderson when Anderson was still at Long Beach Milliken. Another name, Jordan Seaton. Jordan Seaton is the nation's number one interior offensive lineman out of St. John's College in Washington, Washington D.C., where the Ducks found John, uh, not John, where the Ducks found Colin Gill in the 2023 recruiting class. Uh, he has Oregon in his top schools right now. I don't know how meaningful of a top schools list it is because it's a top 14. Um, I feel like I tend to pay closer attention to recruits when they drop like a top five or a top seven. Um, because you know you have the top five, and and that's kind of how official visits tend to to shake out sometimes. Uh, but there is some familiarity there, and we know how Oregon's going to be working in the DMV area. Uh, we know that Oregon's involved heavily with Brandon Baker, the nation's number one inf- offensive tackle out of modern day. But Jordan Seaton is another big name on the interior of the offensive line, along with Asendre Afua out of Seattle O'Day. Last name I'm going to talk about. We got Isaiah Garcia. He's an offensive lineman out of Cypress High School in Magna, Utah. He's going to be taking a visit out to Oregon on April 15th. So that's another target that you got to watch on the offensive line for Elite Terry. We know how well the Ducks have recruited the state of Idaho, talked about Harrison Taggart, Jackson Powers Johnson's out of Utah. Jeffrey Bossa is out of Utah as well. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of work that the Ducks have done in Utah, and that's going to be a, a state that I think they continue to prioritize. You have Tabita Pomee out of the 2022 recruiting, 2023 recruiting class, but, uh, it's, it's a good sign for Oregon, a good development that I see it. Isaiah Garcia is going to be on campus next month as a Terry works to assemble, you know, his first strong recruiting class since joining Oregon. So that's the last mailbag question. Um, we got one here from Randy Rousey. Randy's question is, with all the good quarterbacks at offenses in the Pac-12, do you see a significant improvement in the Ducks? Um, I'm kind of interested in what what Randy means with this question. Is he talking about significant improvement for the Ducks on defense or on on offense at quarterback? I mean, we could just talk about the Pac-12 quarterback situation. This is the best top-to-bottom conference i think for quarterbacks in the country heading into 2023 whether it's michael Penix, caleb williams bo Nix, cameron rising shador sanders um jaden delora is another guy you have to watch out for there's no shortage of of top quarterbacks in the pac-12 next year and i think that bo Nix is squarely in the mix for one of the best in the conference heck he was a dark horse heisman candidate last year so you know that he's going to be a guy that a lot of people are talking about um so I think it's going to be really telling of where Oregon's defense is at because they're going to get tested. They're going to get tested a lot with, with the variety of skills that you have skill sets that you have with these quarterbacks. You also have Dante Moore at UCLA. Like he's another guy to watch out for. 
Um, I'm, I'm the most interested probably to see how Shadur Sanders plays out at Colorado in the Pac-12 because, I mean, you can call it hype as much as you want with Deion Sanders, but I'm just excited to see a school that's been down for so long and just have some excitement around it again. Um, and you can really only go up. I think Colorado only only won one game last year, so it's it's only up. It's absolutely only up for, for the Buffs. <clears throat> but quarterback play should be really fun in the Pac-12, um, and it's crazy that it could be I don't want to say the conference is last year, but you know, it's the last year with USC with UCLA, Deion Sanders comes in. So there's no shortage of headlines and and it's going to make for a really, really exciting year. Um, And and that's obviously good for them. Got a question from Andrew. Here's another one, Max. If the ducks end up with a couple more high end tackles, does Fox crater look elsewhere because Terry has the ducks in the running for a bunch of high end talent. Um, I mean, we were talking about Fox Crater earlier on in the show, and he does have a bunch of different offers that are coming in. But I, I don't think this is a situation where, you know, if Oregon gets a lot of top offensive line guys, that it's going to push a, a you know a commit out of the class. I, I just don't really see that happening, especially because he's one of the first guys that hopped in the boat for Oregon in this 2024 recruiting class, and he's he's definitely he. You know, he really loves the Ducks. And you saw last year he visited for almost every Oregon game. Um, and even though Oregon's in the running for a lot of top-end guys, like, you know, Bennett Warren was one that I had talked about the other day um, out of Fort Bend Christian Academy in, in Sugarland, Texas. Uh, read the update on DucksDigest.com if you haven't already. I also have a video on the channel talking about his visit. This could be a really, really strong class for Oregon and Elite Terry. I talked about Brandon Baker. He's looking at maybe getting out to Oregon back-to-back weekends next month. So that's big. Um, DeAndre Carter is another guy at a modern day, another strong interior guy. Um, talked about Isaiah Garcia as as another top guy. Blake Frazier was on campus, but it looks like he might be trending towards Michigan uh, after a crystal ball came in for that, coming off of a visit. So there's there's this is such a strong offensive line class, especially out West and especially in California that I think the timing really lines up for a league Terry to have a really strong first offensive line class because you have him, uh, you have Mike Cavanaugh as a veteran offensive lineman coach. Um, you have Cutter Leftwich who comes over from UCLA. I think that just, there's just a lot of pieces that are falling into Oregon's favor to have a very strong first haul of offensive linemen under new coach elite Terry. But we're coming up on an hour. I think that's uh, that's all we have time for today on the Ducks Dish podcast. So really appreciate you guys tuning in wherever you're tuned in. Do me a huge favor and share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. That's a huge, huge uh, support for me, a really big help, and I really appreciate it. Go ahead and like the video. And um, yeah. Until next time, thank you so much for the support. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.